This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. What's the best way to reduce? Eat plenty or starve yourself? 30 pounds in just 18 weeks. Jenny Craig totally worked. I love to eat, but overeating made it impossible to lose weight. That's my body works. wants bread, and I'm going to give my body what it wants. Oh my God. <laughs> so I naturally. Medical studies prove that overeating is the number one reason for weight gain. If you need to lose weight, you can lose weight. You can lose weight. Welcome to Fat Camp. A podcast that throws a comedy eye over our societal obsession of diets. Now, a little disclaimer, we are not health experts, but we are fad diet connoisseurs. I'm your host, comedian Grace Mulvey. And I'm your co-host, Connor Dowling. Welcome to Fad Camp. Welcome to Fad Camp, Connor. This week we have a very special guest on our show. We're so delighted to have James O'Hagan with us. James is the Champions Programme Manager at the LGBT Ireland and a host of the brilliant Sissy That Pod, the unofficial RuPaul Drag Race recap podcast. James, welcome to Fad Camp. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be right here on the brink of Pride Month to tell you why gay people are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like, that's what we wanted you here for. We literally like... <laughs> what what amazing timing that we chose now <laughs> to yeah. do this. Um, James, will you take accountability if anyone comes after us? Yeah. Like if RuPaul yeah, yeah. has to take Fad Camp down, you could just like absolve us of exactly, any. Yeah. Yeah. Cancel me, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. Like I'm like we ha- we're such a small podcast. Please, <laughs> we're just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, James, seriously, thank you so much for being um, on the show. And we, we usually start out with any guests we have. Okay, there's so much to talk uh, with you about today. But first of all, James, what is your history with dieting? A big question, I know. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> at this stage, what ones haven't I, which ones haven't I tried? I was thinking about this, obviously, kind of, I was like, well, what, like, what is... What is the kind of the, the diet that I suppose I most relate to and most, yeah. and I think for me it's Weight Watchers. Like that's the one right. kind of like trudging back into that miserable little room every yeah. week, kind of giving your five year over to be told by some sort of scarce crow of a woman with a massive <laughs> pitch of blonde hair that maybe you should consider sort of, you know, living less yeah. of a full life in order to pursue this sort yeah. of, you know, journey of, of, of getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And the, like the... The absolute shame of kind of, you know, going in knowing that, oh, I had a couple of pints during the week yeah. and having to sit at the altar of Weight Watchers horrible biscuits and sort of look at them <laughs> and be like, perhaps instead of enjoying your life, you could eat some of these cardboards with raisins yeah. in them. So yeah. it's like, I think that's the one that I, I went back to like many, many times as I was kind of trying to come to ter- or find the way to come to terms with the fact that actually the shape of my body's fine. The yeah. shape of my body is perfectly fine. Yes. But when you but I mean, as with everyone, when you're living in a world which is screaming at you the shape of your body very much isn't fine, you kind of do have to sort of try and figure out like, well, how can I change this? I mean, I did the that remember those pills that like didn't let fat hold and, and they would like run right fat through binders. you. Fat binders. <laughs> oh my god. A, oh my god, we have someone who's done fat binders. <laughs> I'm, 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 Connor's so excited. 
I'm starstruck. I'm actually a little bit starstruck. <laughs> this like, is it, this you know, is... I'm one of a kind. One of a kind. <laughs> I did I did the juice. I did like different juice diets. Yeah. I did the lemonade diet. And then one I invented myself called the apple diet, which I did. Oh, wow. where, so I, when I was in my very early 20s, I lost 10 stone on a diet Jesus. where I ate two apples in the morning a Weight Watchers microwave meal in oh the evening God. and another apple before I went oh, to bed stop. and that was it I mean you know, I was like a gaunt half human yeah. like a sort of yeah. a wasteful sort of like half, like fl- floating around the place I was miserable but you yeah. know I squizzed myself into those um, those true religion genes <laughs> <laughs> But like, do you know what's so funny? It's we actually even haven't spoken about this yet. Uh, so it's funny you bring it up, James. The diets you create yourself, like, is in oh, like, yeah. you know, you, we all go through a phase where we have a diet that we just came up with, like a little lab experiment. <laughs> except the experiment is our health, our mental, physical well-being. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, the, I went through a weird time with that with bran flakes, where it was literally like I would just. <laughs> 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 I, oh. I mean. I was regular at least, but like, yeah. it was... <laughs> but it is like yeah. when, when you're when you're stuck in that phase, though. Like you become like you become like it's like a religion almost because you yeah. think like if I miss that bowl of iron plagues or if I have my apple yeah. at twelve instead of half eleven, mm-hmm. like suddenly I'm going to like shoot back up like a balloon. And yeah, yeah. I will on the fat point say I didn't last long. <laughs> Can, can we can we go a bit more into the fat bias? I have a, a like. Connor described so there's a Connor when Connor we had, did an episode. We did an episode recently. on supplements, yeah. Yeah. and Connor described what what fat binding does and how he described it was that it's like whatever you eat, it takes the fat and like. Yeah turns it into sort of an oil and it exits the body. But every time I asked him, what does exit the body mean? <laughs> like, as in like, it's like, he, it's like he, he said exit, like the soul leaves the body. I was like, the, it must go somewhere. <laughs> what are we talking about here? You know? It's like, you know, you know when, you, when, when people describe going to see relatives who've passed and you just know the soul has left the body? Like, that's what it is. You just look and you see lies. You're, oh, this person is living a half-life. No, it, it is a sort of a, um, you know, an uncomfortable sort of, and you have to like... I did it. I'm going to be honest with you. I did it for a week because okay. I'm delighted. I, only a week. It should have only yeah, been no, an hour. Yeah. Like, do, but it, do people do it for longer? Do people do it for? See, I see. I do, all I know is that the pharmacy in Balbriggan near my house was like <laughs> pumping it out the windows. It was all oh, over. The place. Yeah. I was reading about it and I was like, maybe this is it. Like, maybe this is my way to. And obviously, like the whole thing is with it that you kind of you're meant to like. Arguably, the whole thing is a scam because in reality, it's just like you don't eat any food with any sort of fat in it because you're mm. terrified that yeah. you're going to get like a pooling of black right. in your in your yeah. pants if you're not careful. <laughs> I can't afford the plumbing bills, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, so yeah, but it was... I, I started... I didn't have any real effects from it, obviously, but I was doing it at the same time as other people in my in my workplace were kind of doing because it, it was a fad. At the time. It was around the Fifty Shades of Grey time, if I remember being the oh kind of God. so people were kind of like doing, uh, you know, going out and buying like feather dusters and like whips yes. and chains and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Was but this the, was, sorry? Was this the book or the film? <laughs> this was the book. This is the oh yeah, of the books. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> are you? I'm like, are you a purist, James? Because I. Am. <laughs> I only oh read the books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I know, um, yeah. But um, but yeah. So the I, I you started. I started hearing all these nightmare stories though about people like who kind of had been on a night out and had like popped into like you know KFC and bought themselves no. a bucket of chicken and then woke up the next morning oh, swimming in this like black sludge that had just leaked out of them over the course. No, of the- and oh I my was just, god. I, I I was just like, okay, I don't <laughs> no. want to keep doing. <laughs> 
I don't want to keep no. doing this. And I had a story of a, 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 a colleague had an experience like that where she had sort of eaten something wrong and it had left her kind of, you know, discovering, like having to basically run into H&M to buy new trousers for oh, the end of the stop. day. So... Oh. Stop. So I my my experience with it was like kind of short lived, but it was the horror stories around that stayed with me, and yeah. I think that that was the beginning of me kind of really taking a second look at a lot of these fad diets and being like, hmm, yeah, that's, but you, <laughs> you know what, what what are you having to put up with in order to to get these results? Wow. It, it took me hearing that someone woke up surrounded by black sludge to go, you know what? <laughs> I don't know if this fad diet thing is worth it. I don't know. (laughs) Waking up in a pool of your own evil. It's just too much. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It's it's so interesting because like, uh, and it's another topic we still haven't covered. Every time time we do any episode, I'm like, we still have to talk about all these things because diet culture is so prevalent. But like pharmacies, pharmacies do do this weird thing where it's like the whole front of the pharmacy will suddenly be dedicated Mm. to this diet I don't know, product or, mm-hmm. or system yeah. you've never Same heard of before. And then it's almost gone as quickly as it was there. Yeah. Like, it's a weird thing where it's like, as my, during my teen years, I definitely remember pharmacies being a real pusher of these like short term sort of diet. You know what I mean? Really but, restrictive yeah, and, diets. Like, yeah. I think as yeah. well, like it's, it's actually like, it, 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 it's something which, you know, I think there probably does need to be more conversation around, around kind of like how you regulate it because, yeah. you know, there's a, there's an expectation of medical expertise when you go into a pharmacy in the way that if you go into like Super Value or Duns and you see them yeah. pushing some kind of diet pill, you kind of go, all right, whatever. But if you see, oh, this mm-hmm. is a pharmacy, like it's an extension of totally. your healthcare. So yeah. you're going to yeah. be like, oh, okay. They're telling me that like this thing that like will start having me leak black sludge out of me is like the way to effectively lose weight connor well they're, connor they're endorsing so it <laughs> look yeah. look it's 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 a, it's early on a sunday morning you know, we're, we're all a little bit fragile you know we all we all know it's it's very much a you know that could have been me. That yeah. Very yeah. yeah. Been well, me. listen, there's a, it's a story for another day, but that was, that once was me. <laughs> it's a story oh, for Grace another was the day. the colleague that James yeah. was talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, was, H&M. it was like, I shouldn't have worn the, I shouldn't have worn the white trousers today. <laughs> But I do remember that there was like recommendations of like kind of people like sharing stuff online at the time. It's like, oh, you know, don't like wear dark colored trousers. And so there was a whole Jesus. like kind of, you know, like sort of like what, to what extent are you, like on. you are pushing yourself to this. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. Ridiculous. Nappies sold separately. Basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're in the display in the farm yeah. the following week. <laughs> Adult incontinence pants. How how grim would it be though if they came in like different sizes and you're going down the sizes and you're delighted with yourself? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like you're Weight like, Watchers. You go and get yeah, your new box of yeah. nappies. It's like, well done, you're down to a medium. Oh, gosh. Do you know what? On Weight Watchers one time, I'll never forget it. It was like, they were like, you know, they'd have like holiday week because it was coming up yeah. to summer and people were going away, God forbid, to enjoy themselves. And I remember one time, like the leader being asked questions. The leader even. The name is so cool. Like I know, the leader. It's so weird. But she was like, um, you know, people were asking her loads of questions. Like, well, can I have a gin and tonic when I'm away? Like, you know, all this, like how many points? And And she went, listen, you have three choices. (laughs) She was like, you can either gain weight on your holiday, stay the same or lose weight. And I've had some people lose weight on holiday. I think we all want to be that person. And I just remember being like, I've spent like 500 quid for this holiday. I kind of want to just be the person. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, it's fine. Like, I'll gain six pounds. Like, yeah, it'll happen. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but also, like, I mean, these Weight Watcher leaders, like, it is such, they're, again, like, it's another, like, sort of scam. And the same way that, sort of, say, a lot of people, like, I know you guys have talked about, like, the biggest loser and those people who do yeah. the extreme weight loss diets. And a lot of those people end up going into kind of personal training or nutrition as fitness as, like, so they yeah. kind of go into perpetuating this kind yes. of cycle of, like, weight yeah. loss. And it's like, well, of course, you've got a vested interest in staying this particular size, size because it's yes. a part of your career. For other people living their actual lives, how about instead of we instead of kind of being overly concerned about kind of whether a person like fits into a particular type of size of, of jeans we just start our size of shorts or whether a person wants to eat a burger on holidays or wh- in order to like lose mm. weight how about we just be like let's change society so the fat people aren't yeah. marginalized how about that instead <laughs> brenda <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, James. And like, you know, what you're saying there is it that's a very real thing. And you know, it's it's touched on a lot in um the anti diet book, which is kind of like the the unofficial or the official rather Bible of uh, Fad Camp. And she talks in the book, she talks about how so many people not kind of because of their frustrations around exercise and their body and food and food obsessions, they end up dedicating their entire lives like by mm. becoming dietitians like doing like you know yeah. full-on degrees or yeah. you know like uh, becoming personal trainers and all of that sort of thing and it's like it, it like you say it just kind of perpetuates it for the rest of the world but for themselves as well you know so i think that is like yeah. you know so common like and it's really just various types of eating disorders disguised yes. as oh no this is my life now and yeah personally yeah. the amount of times i have said to people bef- this is pre kind of fad camp and stuff I've always been interested in, you know, nutrition and things like yeah. that. <laughs> and I I would say like, oh, if I wasn't a filmmaker, I would um, be doing something to do with nutrition, you know. And yeah. I know that is that kind of like temptation to, yeah. you know, hyper focus on food or, you know. Because you're allowed to then. Weight. If you decide that this exactly. is like your job, then actually your obsession, yeah. you're like, well, I'm allowed yeah. to talk about this all day. My sister one time, like just asked me to shut up about um, how great a mini baby bell light is. <laughs> she was like, it's Saturday morning. And I actually just can't. <laughs> you, need to, you need to calm down. I was like, okay. Um, but listen, James, you actually sent us this amazing article, which I, you know, just because we wanted to, you know, we were saying like, I had kind of a lack of knowledge anyway, based on, kind of body image and um, eating disorders in the LGBTQ plus community at all. And you sent this yeah. amazing um, article, which if anyone's listened, they, it's in GQ, Why Body Image Issues Pervade the Gay Community. And it's by Nick Levine. And my God, like this article really kind of put into sharp focus um, that there is a lot of pressure within the gay community when it comes to body image and looking a certain way. Uh, one part of it that I found very interesting was um, in the article, they say, when you open an app like Grindr, you'll be greeted with body shaming phrases so familiar and cliched that straight people know about them too. And it says, um, and this is a quoting from the article, no fat, no femmes, gay, uh, gym fit only. I work out and you should too. Over the over the years, we've all heard the trite, you can be straight, thin, but, but gay, fat. And I had never heard that phrase before in my life, mm. but... 
would that ring yeah. true like from any experience you've had even um yourself but no so yeah so the work i do in lgbt ireland is very much focused on around how we can start including people within our w- w- how marginalized communities need to be sort of included and how we need to reach out and how we need to make changes so the people who have been traditionally pushed out to the edges get to sort of experience some of the advances that we've made within the community and a lot yeah. of that is around focusing out on sort of what the heterosexual community needs to recognize about the experiences of um sort of people who make come from cultural minorities for older LGBT people who experienced in Ireland that was much less welcoming than the one we live in today for yeah. LGBTQ people seeking international protection but an awful lot of it also is focused on looking back at within the queer community about how we treat each other and it, it's when you start actually unpacking this because we spend in the queer community we're coming into Pride Month so much yeah. time talking to to the mainstream heterosexual community society yeah. of like you need to to understand how to be an ally you need to start kind of you know treating us in a particular yeah. way you need to recognize that our diversity and our experiences but behind closed doors within the community we put so much pressure on people to fit very specific sort of requirements in order to be considered desirable in order yeah. to be considered acceptable and people who don't are just sort of willfully cast aside so when you talk about the sort of that 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 phrase of uh you know no fats no femmes it's usually yeah. no fats no femmes no asians no blacks like it is really wow. like it is charged with sort of a- with racism with yeah. anti-effemacy with sort of anti-fatness it is it, it is and it is everywhere and people feel fully empowered to use that because in a space like Grinder, I suppose you you, are, you see that sort of um, in a space like Grinder, which is sort of ostensibly a hookup app. Yeah, it is around the preference of the sort of person that you would want to 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 hook up with, and therefore you are empowered because you're just stating your preference to say that mm. this is the sort of person that I would like to have sex with. But in the execution of that preference, you were sent to get a message, which is being backed up in sort of mainstream society because within yeah. mainstream society black people Asian people fat people experience massive amounts of exclusion yeah. and then within our own community it's saying that you are additionally unacceptable I mean I have had so many I've, I've had so many guys who I've been chatting to who would sort of you know would, would be messaging away then they'd ask me for like a full body photograph I always have these on my on yeah, my profile yeah. it's the same on Tinder I'm assuming but then yeah. they sort of see that and they're like oh no actually sorry I'm not into fat guys and they feel fully empowered to do that to say that that is mental I know but it's because they think that it is they think that look well this is just me saying what I'm into right, so right. it's just me being straight up with you but right. they don't understand that that links into kind of the experience that I would have had when I came out and the experience that many fat gay people will have had when they came out which is that sort of you spend your like, and I, I, I'll speak mostly for myself in this yeah. but I'm sure there's a lot of gay people that could relate to it but like as I was growing up when I was a child in the in the 80s and, and, and early 90s that sense that I knew that I was different for some reason I could feel yeah. that I was different I didn't see other people who behaved or had the same interests in me I could sense that I wasn't sort of traditionally where my other male cousins were I knew that sort of I was more interested in what I saw my female cousins being interested in but yet I wasn't as included and once yeah. I got to that kind of cut off time of about 10 or so I was sort of excluded from those female spaces so I ended up being on my own and at that stage that sort of loneliness and confusion led to me putting off and putting on an awful lot of weight and the result of me putting on an awful lot of weight was then that I started being excluded another step because I was then a fat child. And when I sort of ultimately at the end of my teenage years, when I sort of realized or started realizing, oh, I'm actually a I'm actually gay and sort of understanding what that was and what that meant. I was looking around for spaces where I could be gay. But all of at that stage, I suppose it was very early on in the sort of the representation that you would have seen of of queer people and sort of 
all of it would have been the like of Will and Grace, which is you can either be a serious Jim Bunny style Will who gets taken seriously and, you know, gets to have serious relationships, or you can be the effeminate, ridiculous, but equally thin Jack, who you will always be laughed at because you have this effeminate streak within you, but, you know, you get to be at the table because you're skinny. Or you even look at, like, the shows like, sort of, Queer as Folk, where the only time fat characters are featured, it's as a sort of a point of, sort of, like, they've fooled another person into not thinking they're not fat to bring them home. And it's this real sense of, like, okay, yes, I'm gay, yes, there's a gay community, but these spaces don't seem to be welcoming to me. And when I actually started going into them, the experience I had was that I wasn't welcome in those spaces, that my body made me be unwelcome in those spaces. I had times where sort of in the earlier, I I think back now to kind of when I first started going to the George and sort of, you know, you, you have this feeling when you're a gay person or a queer person walking into a queer space where everyone is like you, that at this like moment of just like, oh, like you can just exhale because yeah. you're in a place where you feel as if the identity that you hold is respected, is loved, is valued. But very quickly that got replaced by the fact that, oh yes, no, it's fine for you to be here, but you need to stand over there and not expect anyone to want to interact with you or not expect anyone want to, to consider you desirable. And so you spend the sort of, I spent the earlier time, part of, of my life as a, as a gay man, kind of like overhearing people kind of pointing me out and like referencing the fact that I was very fat, having kind of, you know, people having conversations about me about like, oh, if you just put a bit of time into going to the gym or if you just lot a bit of weight, like then you might be desirable. Then you might be sort of, you know, then you might be worth being with. And again, and then sort of you get into the whole, this is me, my real rant, but you get into the whole sort of subculture then that exists, the bear community, which is a very safe space for for larger gay men, but only larger gay men who are very hairy and who are very masculine. Because you're, yeah. if you're effeminate in those spaces, you're excluded. If you are sort of talking about a different race, back, racial background, you're yeah. excluded. So it, it just, it's, all, it's always about sort of like having a menu of options and needing to, to sort of meet the exact specifications of what's considered acceptable in order to be desirable. And that all goes back to the fact that in the gay community, sort of the achieving achievement of achieving sex or having sex is seen as kind of this like way to validate yourself or way yeah. to sort of see yourself as being a person of consequence, which yeah. is tragic wow. and sad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> James, that was amazing. That was really powerful and clearly something you've given a lot of thought to. It was very, it was very succinct. I was like, got so much information there. Wow. Holy shit. And one of the things that kind of popped into my head as you were talking, because like, you know, earlier as we were talking kind of like about your history with dieting, um, was you said like there was a period in your 20s where you lost like 10 stone on like Mm -hmm. a combination of self kind of, you know, DIY diets, basically. Yeah. Um, Like what was your experience like at that point when I'm assuming having lost 10 stone i mean mm. we talk about this all the time where you people have lost weight often through kind of somewhat self-destructive means but don't i look great <laughs> you know yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and people are like oh you look amazing You're like yes i'm dying inside you know <laughs> um can you tell us a little bit about your experience in that period of like because obviously in your 20s it's such a social time right yeah well i i mean the, the the thing about it is and this is something that i've only re- like really over the over the course of of, of um many hours of of uh, lockdown therapy have come to realize which is that sort of my relationship to my body wasn't even to my body as it existed. It was to my body as I thought about it. So even mm. when I lost that amount of weight in my early 20s, I didn't like, well, yeah, I was I was buying sort of jeans that were size 32 waist and I was buying like mediums and, and, and sort of, you know, sort of small sort of clothes sometimes. And, 
you know, I was able to go in and just sort of pick up whatever I wanted. I, I still considered myself to be a fat and undesirable person because mm-hmm. that had been, that was how I had been conditioned to think about myself. And that, and I think that that part of that is that within the, the gay community specifically, sort of in order to be like the, the, the requirements are not just to be skinny, but it's to be muscular. It's mm. to be sort of lean. It's to be kind of like the, the sort of, I suppose the, the Chris Hemsworth sort of example yeah. of like you are white, you're muscular, you're masculine. These are the things you need to be. So even right. when I was, because I suppose I, I carry myself in a more effeminate way, once to, to an extent, not very much. I'm very lucky. That's terrible to say I'm very lucky, but I know that people who express themselves in a, in a, in a yeah. much more overtly feminine way have a much harder time within the gay yeah. community. Right. But So I yeah. still found as if, I still felt as if even at that time I was an outsider and I could never kind of square myself with that because I would look back even sort of a couple of years later at photographs of, my, of myself in that period and I was like, oh my God, like you were, yeah. like you were so skinny. But yeah, wow. you sat around kind of going into these places and still feeling like as if you stood out like a sore yeah. thumb. Yeah. And I think, and like, you know, I, I, like, I think because queer people at that time, better now, definitely, aren't necessarily thought how to socialize or don't see examples of what their sort of relationships look like or aren't maybe given sort of a guidance as sort of to, this is how you are supposed to live a life as a queer person. Yeah you don't really know what it is. You're all kind of making it up. So there was a lot of people there who were very anxious because they didn't really know what it was to be. And they were all sort of like, I I, I, for some, I don't know why, but I always go back to this like reference of, of like Titanic with like, you know, Rose on the door. Like I kind of think <laughs> back to that period of, of, of Irish development of the gay community, that kind of like, you know, back in the, the early noughties where kind of we were 10 years post decriminalization. It was starting yeah. to become a bit more normal. There was a bit more of a buildup of a, a, a distinct scene, but it was a lot of people who were sort of like, holding on to these stereotypes and doors that made them insiders for dear life and so you know anything that you could do to build a group for yourself of people and make yourself safe you were doing and that often came at the expense of pushing people out and the people who often got pushed out were obviously people who were fat people who didn't come off as incredibly confident people who were effeminate disabled people people from different cultural backgrounds and I think that so I, to answer your question, I didn't really notice. And it's yeah. tragic now looking back because I'm like, you know, had I had the confidence at that time or had I had the self-belief at that time, well, I'd probably be an almighty prick at this point because I would just <laughs> think I was so fantastic. But... <laughs> if anything, you'd be but... giving out about this podcast. You'd be like, they're, exactly. they're talking I'd be like, shite. Jesus, yeah. those fat shits need to go lose some weight. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, like, to be honest, to be honest, when I asked you that question, I kind of, you know, assumed in a roundabout way that was much more so your experience, yeah. you know, that it's nothing's ever really good enough, right? Especially no. when yeah. you're on an ever ending quest to kind of change your body. It's like if you're not happy with your body, you're probably there's probably something else at the core of that that's yeah. driving that frustration. But also the the goalposts always move. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like actually, and even to quote from the article, uh, there's a bit here that I thought was interesting where it was like, um, there was a thirty two year old man named Pete and as he said, as a younger gay man when I came out I was told I was too fat. Skinny was the way forward and that was easier to achieve in some ways. I could eat less and be more active and lose weight. But over the last five years, as he's aged out of the twink bracket in which smooth, leath bodies are prized, Pete says the goalposts have shifted. It doesn't feel like skinny is enough anymore. You need to be bigger, lift weights, have abs, which is a lot harder to achieve. 
And I thought that was so interesting that it's like, even when you go, okay, you tell me to achieve this, then it's suddenly like, oh, now yeah. it's totally changed and <clears throat> you need to look But the, I mean, that's different. the thing. If you're like, because the, the, a lot of within the gay community, a, a lot of what we are doing is measuring our value against sort of the rule book that's being set out by a sort of I suppose by a mainstream understanding of what a, what like a gay man is you look around pride parades and it is all these sort of extremely muscular kind of um these extremely muscular well-built white men who are masculine presenting and sort of that becomes the goal because you are told what you should want to be in that sort of in yeah. you should want to be in that crowd that should be where you want to be and in order to be successful in order to be able to turn around perhaps to all of the people who bullied you over the course of your childhood yeah. and over the course of your 20s to be like I've made it yeah. like you, yeah. you need to get into that and until you've been able to get into that you you you, you don't have value and you aren't a, a sort of a you aren't a successful person and I think like for me actually I think my like main journey with kind of getting to the point I'm at now came from sort of back in 2019 I got into sort of after many years of ups and downs and bad relationships and all the rest of it I got into this relationship with a person who um and this isn't a happy story just Aww. before we get in there <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, you, know, you, you already the got me but, um, <laughs> can, can we just no, give I, a few details like their name their, <laughs> yeah exactly like, name just I'll, I'll give you that yeah I've got their yeah. <laughs> social security number address yeah, no yeah. but I got it I got into a relationship with a person who kind of like ticked all the boxes of what it was right. I felt I needed to be with in order to be seen as a successful person I'd been on like a, a sort of a, a a fitness journey where my mm. body was at a point where kind of I could see sort of the the, the results of, of of a lot of effort being put in I, like there was like a, a lot of weight loss and sort of in the in the period immediately prior to that and so I found I felt sort of like okay I've, I've reached the promised land I've got in Nirvana now I've like I've got the body that I can be somewhat sort of happy with I've got a relationship with a person who ticks all of these boxes but I never felt actually sort of I felt I always felt really uncomfortable because that person wasn't looking for the same thing I was looking for out of a relationship that person wasn't sort of and so I sort of I spent six months with that person sort of living in constant anxiety because I was like oh this this isn't right there's something wrong and sort of feeling like I was living and thinking about the fact that like I'm technically living out this fantasy that I've been working towards yeah. for years yeah. and it was only when that sort of broke down in, in yeah. very early 2020 that I sort of got together enough to be able to start looking at my relationship with my body and realize that actually like I suppose what I was really trying to do was prove that I had value yeah. that I mattered and that yeah. I, I was that, that I was an okay human being through achieving all of these external factors and actually yeah. it all comes back to how you feel inside and how you feel about your actual self rather than your physical presence because that's yeah. what follows after if you like yourself your actual person then what you are externally is less important yeah. oh yeah yeah I mean like it's funny because even if I reverse that if I ever get down you know the first thing I'll do is attack my body like as in mentally exactly. I'll go exactly. well if I wasn't fat yeah. then my life would be much better so it's always <laughs> yeah. this weird thing where yeah. I, this is always the problem with me you know what I mean like, yeah. like it'll yeah. never be yeah. the thing that I don't attack first and yet Shame. it's the you know, first yeah. fucking thing it's the thing first thing I go, go to for. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because like, even like you get up on a morning where you're not feeling. Maybe you're, you've been a bit hungover. You've been out yeah. a couple of days. The first thing it's like, That's oh, this I'm not morning. feeling comfortable. <laughs> I'm not feeling comfortable in these clothes yeah. today. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I stand out. It's it's instantly is the thing that you're kind of ready to to have people yeah. attack or ready to yeah. be attacked for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, wow. 
It's just, um, it was, you know, when a home truth sits there and you go, oh, that's upsetting. Um, <laughs> just have a moment of silence. <laughs> it was like all three of us went, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, that, and that, that's the end of Fad Camp. That is our, uh, we, we got, Love we got yourself. There. <laughs> we got there. That's, that's where we needed to be. That's where we needed to be. That is so funny. I Know The Face is a movie podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network, hosted by me, Stephen Portio. And me, Andrew Carroll. Our show is all about character actors, the type of performers you'll see pop up in supporting roles in blockbusters, the type of people you know the faces but not the names. Each episode we pick one particular character actor and discuss a couple of their movies, shining a light on the performer's career while giving listeners plenty of movie recommendations. So the show is a must for cinema lovers. Subscribe to I Know That Face wherever you get podcasts and follow us on Twitter at I Know That Face P1. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode. If you want to hear more bonus exclusive content for FadCamp, make sure to log on to Headstuff Plus and for as little as a fiver a month, you can support our show and other shows in the Headstuff Podcast Network and hear exclusive content from FadCamp. That's bonus episodes, photos, videos. It's a really good time. So we hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Do you know what was interesting as well? Um, that there was some... Th- not all, like we'll go into a bit of the research that like that I found very shocking about the mm. LGBTQ plus community. The link between that and eating disorders is much higher than in like, you know, like than in the yeah. rest of like the world, basically. But I found it interesting. There was this part of the article that I really stuck with me because I sometimes think as a woman that uh only women get obsessed about certain parts of their body or if like a remark that is made. But there's this part in the article that really struck me, which was um, a man named George, a, a 35-year-old gay man, says his concerns began about his body when a friend mocked his skinny arms nearly 15 years ago. And he said, from that moment on, I ne- I've never felt comfortable in T-shirts or even shirts. And it contributed massively to social anxiety in my 20s and early 30s. Now, I think... I know I probably sound so naive, but I was literally like skinny arms. Like, is that a thing that men are concerned? Like, regard like straight gate, like that men are concerned about. And then I was like, like it just shows like one comment that can be made about your body can stick yeah. with you for the rest of your life. No, completely. And, and I mean that, like that, that is absolutely like there is like kind of because there is like this sort of you know outline of what like a um of, of what like the ultimately desirable man is supposed to be and if you and th- i mean this is this goes into another issue which is that with like about the gay fat so like yeah 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 fat fat and then there's gay fat and yeah you know or sort of like gay undesirable yeah. um and you get men who are you know sort of within the context of like the wider society would be looked at and like it's like they would they would not experience any of the additional barriers that fat people have so they are yeah. not being sort of like looked at within their workplace or sort of within medical settings and having the sort of discrimination that would be experienced by fat people in those spaces but they are getting a sort of a, an experience of fat phobia within the gay community because you know they're as well, or I suppose body shaming rather than fat phobia mm. necessarily because it could be to do with the fact that I have friends who won't wear shoes because they are too anxious that their calves aren't big enough you know what <laughs> oh so my like... god well i'm like i actually have massive calves <laughs> like for a woman i've never been able to wear like knee-high boots and it's really always bothered me <laughs> like i'm like listen i'd swap any day lads you know what i mean yeah, yeah. 
That's gas. It's just a thing that I would never consider. Or I or maybe I don't think of like, usually it's always been for women that it's like every minute, every part of our body has been so overanalyzed. Mm. And so like, you know, there's such a, basically there's such a, the hourglass is like still yeah. the pr- thing of perfection that I don't think of how men must look at the, particularly now with like, say the Marvel movies, me and Connor have talked about it before, like how now there is a body type of like a certain calf size, a certain arm size. Like that to me, that is absolutely bonkers, you know? But but at the same time, like, I mean, like how often are you with a friend or getting ready for a night out or something like that? And, and you're like, you say to your friend, like whether it's a guy or a girl, like, oh, you look amazing. And they just come out with some sudden like oh but I've got like a narrow forehead and you're like wait what, <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? And, or or I've got no shoulders or I've got a whatever got and no it's like shoulders. oh <laughs> yeah you know everyone has their own thing that yeah. somewhere down the line they have fixated on for maybe because of criticism maybe because of yeah. like the physical discomfort of it or just when they look in the mirror that's yeah. where their focus goes for whatever reason we all have that part of our body yeah. that we're like Oh, if only I could change that in some way. So, but yeah, I, 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 mean, I think, I, and I'm not to, but I think a lot of women wouldn't think that men fixate mm, the mm. same way that we fixate. So, like, yeah. even reading this article, I was like, that is interesting to me. Yeah. That some yeah. men will fixate on a certain part of their body yeah. in the same way. Yeah. I do honestly think I have the side profile of Peter Griffin, and that's something I've always said. <laughs> Of my face. And actually when I say it, people are like, oh, you kind of <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry, go but, on. No, but I mean, that, that, I mean, that's the thing, like, you do, everyone has, like, these sort of, like, uh, kind of... Because you're, everyone, like, defaults. And I don't know if that's a particularly Irish thing that you just default to kind of, like, the second you get a compliment, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, no, but I'm shitting this way. You know, like, this, yeah. but this yeah, is yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, um, and I think that, like, you know, within the, like, within the, within the gay community, there are, like, values added to these particular kind of, like, yeah. boxes you can tick. Like, if you have, the, like, the broad shoulders and the big arms yeah. and the big calves, you know, or the, like, like long, lean, sort of abbed torso, then, like, you are kind of, you know, you, you're in this sort of heavenly space yeah. and then the further you climb down the stairs or down the, the ladder below that like you are kind of like less and less included and you have to be you know you you feel that exclusion but and i sort of mentioned this before but you feel that mm-hmm. that exclusion as if it is sort of the the only form of, of of body shaming exclusion that exists and you feel as if you're empowered to speak about your exclusion without acknowledging the sort of worse yeah. exclusion that happens so within the gay community there is like there is now like a form of activism developed called average body activism so oh. this is um there's a there's a an act there's a, a guy whose name I'm not going to mention because I absolutely fucking hate him. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you can yeah. go and look at him afterwards. <laughs> okay. He is all about empowerment, and I'm sure his videos do a lot of good for a lot of people. Yeah. But I am also like, you're taking up the space in the conversation. It needs to be about the experiences of like actual fat people within the gay community. Right. But so there are so to say there are kind of that the, the the guy referenced earlier in the the from the article who kind of had put on a little bit of weight mm. or was no longer kind of in that twink phase it's like yeah. suddenly they find themselves having had like probably the second most desirable body type they age out of that or they kind of you know put on a bit of a small amount of yeah. weight and then suddenly they don't feel as desirable they take that that feeling of less desirability as like this massive thing and they look around and start being like this is really unfair i was <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah 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 and now i'm here and how and then they sort of, I suppose, this 
average body activism has developed where they as a group of people are coming together to kind of say we as the community need to be nicer to people who have normal bodies <laughs> normal bodies are normal and that's okay and so that takes up a lot of the space and you see the 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 big lgbtq publications the likes of, of sort of gay times or, yeah. or, or or the advocate or those sort of places who who will platform these people and will include them in sort of conversations around you know body image within the queer community but that doesn't acknowledge the sort of much deeper rooted fat phobia that exists yeah. against people who are, I suppose, would be perceived as being fat. Yeah. And, and I think that actually comes back to the fact that I, I don't see, or I've, I've read a couple of articles where it actually sort of, it, it has become apparent to me that actually, I don't think that the gay community considers fat people to be gay. So like you, you aren't, so it, it, not that they don't consider to be gay obviously they are gay but it's sort of like you're seen as being kind of uh, an adjunct on to the community so right. you are um, so first of all say like on Grinder, on Growler on Scruff or any of these places when you can list your body type it can be sort of you know muscular lean thin or then like stocky and yeah. that's that's it you can't even identify yourself as oh. being fat, which actually leads which actually leads then to sort of potential for further sort of you know uh, negative negative interactions because if you could just say i'm a fat person then people who don't want to talk to fat people can look at that and say okay well i don't want to talk to this person and that would sort of allow you sort of exist in a space where you were putting out what it is that might cause you harm later but also so there are there's a group of there there's a i suppose a a fetish for fat men within the gay community and they would be called chasers and it exists within female male as well but so Oftentimes when you see this group talked about, it's always talked about, it's around how sort of like gay men who like to have sex with fat men can go to meet them at this place or gay men who like fat men can go, fat men or who want to have sex with fat men can meet them here. Mm. So it's almost like the gay man, the, sk- the slimmer gay man who wants, or the slimmer man who wants to have sex with the fat man is gay. But the fat man who wants to be had sex with isn't. Yes, yes, right. And it's sort of a lot. I mean, this is probably me gone off into like sort of you know multiverse of madness territory. (laughs) But (laughs) but it's just it is something everything everywhere at all at once. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it is something that I've noticed, and it's like because we don't, if we are not including fat bodies as part of a conversation about how we think about sort of body. Uh, body politics in the gay community yeah. which often doesn't happen because the sort of inclusion stops at sort of guys who maybe you know are a little bit bigger yeah. than sort of what is considered to be sort of normal or average yeah. it means that 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 natural exclusion continues to happen sort of and I mean I I would say that I fall into the category of the sort of maybe just on the the sort of outsir- outskirts of the average body typed man who so like you know i'm i'm benefiting hugely from the privileges yes of being yeah. white of being hairy of being able to uh, yeah. sort of pass as more masculine so i see all of the privileges that i have and then that helps me see all of the ways in which other people are excluded whereas i think an awful lot of times because gay men can be a little self-involved uh it, it ends up to be looking more back in at the fact of why you're being excluded and how that's wrong rather than how your exclusion yeah. actually adds on out to, to the yeah. exclusion of other people. How much worse it gets for people who are in bigger bodies than you. Like it absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And actually just, just I want to just go quickly on to, because like we've, we still have more to cover and it's like, I could talk to you about this all day long. But yeah. um, just a few of the facts that, that I read about, um, even just uh, research published last year by Philip Joy and Matthew Humer from uh, the 
and I'm going to absolutely butch the name of this, Dalius <laughs> University, found that social demands placed on gay men to eat healthily and achieve a perfect body are linked to anxiety and depression of serious mental health consequences. The National Eating Disorder Association similarly says that LGBTQ plus identified folks experience unique stressors that may contribute to the development of eating disorders. Now, another um, more research that I found in that was the National Eating Disorders Association again in the US now, because um, it's much easier obviously to find like this these sort of stats in the US and the UK. Yeah. But um, in 2018, stated that over half of LGBTQ plus youth in the new national survey have been diagnosed with eating disorders. Over yeah. half. So of the youth surveyed, 54 percent of the participants indicated that they already had already been diagnosed with an eating disorder. Of those diagnosed with an eating disorder, 88% have considered suicide. Like, just for a moment of how horrific that stat is. Um, This was from a sample, by the way, of 1,305 self-identified LGBTQ plus youths from 13 to 24 across the US. So, like, from this stat, they said that 54% of the LGBTQ plus youths have been diagnosed with an eating disorder compared to about 5% of their heterosexual peers, okay? Mm-hmm. Trans youths who identify as straight are mo- are at most risk with 71% of them having been diagnosed with an eating disorder. 71% anorexia being the most uh, common. Like, just those stats are so staggeringly high that, like, when you talk about the pressures, as you say, within the gay community, like of like you even feeling the bit of exclusion just from being outside of it. Like these things have serious ramifications mm-hmm. when you see those numbers. And this is from like 13 year olds to 24 year olds. Like they're already feeling the effects of that. That was so almost like took my breath away of how shocking I found those stats. Particularly, I knew I had heard sort of about transgender youths before, particularly obviously having severe body dysmorphia and suffering from eating disorders, but I could not believe those stats. Like, and, and it just shows the link between it. Yeah. No, it really does. And I think kind of, you know, it, it's actually important so for me to say that like my experience, which I'm speaking from and what I'm talking about today, obviously it is through the, the lens of yeah. a gay man who's in a very yes. privileged position. But when you when you do take that step out and you look at the experiences of, partic- of, of, of the trans community in particular, because as if you are a, if, if you are a trans person, you're growing up in, in a world where you are going to be at war with your body, where yeah. you're not going to feel at home in your body. And I suppose that starts that sort of from the, from even from the, like before you're able to perceive any sort of external yes, stuff around yeah. you, you're going to be in this space of like, I'm not happy in who I and how I am presenting. And then that's going to be, amplified by these expectations to look a particular way yeah. or to find a way to sort of move your body to where you want it to be and I think that you know for a lot of a lot of queer youth this sense of like being out of control not necessarily being able to sort of control who you are or where you yeah. are or who you're able to sort of what sort of a community you're part of I think that you see that that often does lead to people kind of experiencing eating disorders because that is, yeah. is, a, is an area of control in your life yeah. and, and I mean you see those figures and it is like I suppose as you come into Pride Month and there's a huge amount of celebration around the advances that we have made I think it's so important to stop and actually look back in the many ways in which we probably need to be particularly looking back at queer youth and seeing what can we do because what it it will take in order to stop that is is broader society-based change around it being more acceptable to be a member of the LGBTQ community and so that from a very early age 
feeling that difference in who you are isn't going to make you feel othered and then you aren't going to start yeah. looking for other yes. ways to hate yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, I suppose, like, a link of, like, fat acceptance. Fat acceptance, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Like, I am I am all yeah, for this. I think, yeah. Like, I, I think, and it's, it, it, like, I mean, I, I want, I would love to see within the Irish queer community to sort of be a sort of a, a, a loud advocacy for sort of the inclusion and acceptance of fat people as part of the queer community and yeah. as part of the, the I suppose the 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 tapestry of, of of what makes up our community in a way that they aren't at the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now to move on to slightly lighter, I because I, I obviously like that was a that was a tough <laughs> that was a tough few minutes there. I'm not gonna lie to you, but uh, I wanted to quickly go into RuPaul because obviously you are the I mean you're the drag race like mm-hmm. connoisseur. Let's go after RuPaul. <laughs> and now to attack RuPaul's Drag Race But for anyone who uh, doesn't know what RuPaul's Drag Race is I really don't know where you've been living And how you haven't seen this show But um, <laughs> it began as an American reality competition television series in 2009 um, And it basically documents like RuPaul um, Who's a drag queen herself In the search of America's next drag superstar RuPaul plays um, the role of host, mentor and head judge As contestants are given different challenges each week The show has been so successful it has spawned international versions in australia canada chile france italy thailand and more and the uk version is also like has been a massive hit as well now this was interesting when i kind of looked into it because that the drag race at, includes at least one if not usually more plus size contestants in each season um, and the show's mantra is if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else and has around like 27 21 seasons in total there's never been a win, a plus size winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. Is that true, or am I? Well, is my is, is my is it wrong? Am I wrong? Well, no, so there there is one queen who would well. So Lawrence Cheney won the second season of RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. UK, and they would identify themselves as a plus size individual. Right. Subsequent to winning Drag Race, they have taken their well, actually didn't win any money because you don't win any money in the UK. They've taken their their uh, their clout and found a gym membership and gone on all sorts of diets. Right. And no longer present right. as a as a as a as a plus size queen. But I I think that it, you the the plus size queens within drag so. Obviously, big fan of Drag Race. I really yeah. love it. I think it does an amazing job of both educating sort of mainstream and heterosexual community about the issues within the queer community. There are some brilliant conversations that happen around the treatment of bigger body people in the series, but that doesn't necessarily play out in how they translate into the actual competition of, of the show. So over the course of, I did a, I did a bit of a look back at uh, kind of the trajectories of plus size queens within the uh, within the American competition sort of right. for a bit of a bit of right. a, a bit of bonus material which you can get on headstuffpodcast.com <laughs> nice. oh <laughs> we love the headstuff family yeah. <laughs> but um i looked at it, i think that within each season so you've got around maybe 26 queens out of over 200 who would be uh, either identified themselves as or identified throughout so by other contestants in the show as being plus size out of that only two of them have ever made it into the finale. So that is sort of, you know, to, to finale the show. And all of them have had an edit of either being a sort of a villain character and then given that nice. sort of, you know, traditional reality TV show, this is the villain that we yeah. all need to root against. All of them? 
all of the, well no not so most of them are the villain but the ones right. that weren't the villain right. were the undeserving sort uh, of let's all take the piss out of this person who doesn't really know what they're wow. doing right. so you never get to be seen as being uh, you, you never get the 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 big girls are never shown as just being sort of um talented and deserving yeah, of yeah. the places that they get in the competition it's always backed up with this sense of they're in a fight against the the kind of the the fashiony queen or you know they their body size prevents them from being glamorous so therefore right. they're never yeah. going to be considered to be good in those advances. and it, it is frustrating to see time and time again that the yeah. narrative plays out of the bigger bodied queen who comes in there and is shown to be sort of mean and cruel to this sort of like young Twinkie ingenue and then sort of at the end of the day the skinny queen will have their day in court and win over the, the, wow. the big queen. And it just plays out again and again yeah. and again and reinforces yeah. that idea that you know, fat people are just that little bit less deserving. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. evil. And, <laughs> and evil. Well, and evil. I mean, that that is something that you guys, you guys, I'm just, you know, I'm giving you ideas here. Free, but you should look back over like popular, like pop yeah. pop culture and see like how the, the, the bigger characters are always oh. evil. And I mean, always... the, li- the Little Mermaid, Ursula being one of the greatest examples of oh, a big, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. And was obviously based on the drag queen divine as well. Like amazing, yes. but you know, it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm and I'm gonna say as well if you if you if you're looking for another reason to to dislike J.K. Rowling other than her, <laughs> her attitudes towards the transgender community, yeah. if you go back through Harry Potter, every single like being fat is just <gasps> used as a shorthand for being evil. Wow. Like it is just like yeah. big fat ugly horrible horror slughorn <laughs> big fat dursleys in there being cr- so it's just like you james know, like you've it, actually it, it, blown my mind there i'm sorry <laughs> but you know when you never that never like, <laughs> like obviously listen i've been distracted by other things jk rowling has been talking about so this hasn't occurred to me but i actually have never thought about that the dursleys are the dudley is like the greatest example of the only character i could think that she probably gave a niceness to was hagrid and even then hagrid like bless him was almost like this kind of pathetic character that they're all like eyes like eyes out living in the shed at the garden you know what i mean like that is exactly mental oh my god and i think like we we all know that like you know you look around like represent representation is really important for how you understand how you fit in the world so if you're looking around and as a as a younger gay man our younger gay man i kind of looked around and all of the gay men that I saw didn't really look like me and, yeah. and the ones that did look like me were shown to be sort of less valuable or figures of fun or the butt of the joke. And, you mm. know, when you were looking around just as a fat person in general, it tends to be that kind of, you know, the, like, I think the, the most positive representation of fat people I can think of is Gemma fucking Collins. What does oh. that say about the world? <laughs> and you know what? Like, it's just as well with Gemma Collins. Like, it's like Gemma Collins and Lizzo. And actually, do you know what? Funny enough as well, like, Lizzo, I, yeah. I always forget about Monique was out there Paved, like pounding the pavements for years yeah. like doing she was doing romantic <laughs> comedies all that sort of stuff but like Gemma Collins it just shows you as well that so for someone like her to um, kind of like get through like she had to be so determined and basically make you know what I mean like she has to almost yeah. like be a one woman show and have no sense of shame in the nicest yeah, exactly. way possible do you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So James, listen, we're, we're just so happy to have you here today. Um, we're going to end with one question, right? Now, obviously, we've talked so much, particularly about the stats of LGBTQ plus um, communities, youth, um, with everything that's been linked to eating disorders and body image issues. So when it comes to yourself and your own body image journey, um, 
what advice would you give to your 16 year old self? I mean, this is very drag race, by the way. I don't know if, if in the is finale it? of each in the finale of, of each of each series, like RuPaul will hold up a photograph of the the young contestant and be like, "What would you say to younger you?" <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> in order in order to drain the last bit of like trauma out of the out of the series. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe you managed to find. I'm so happy that I have something in common with RuPaul. Like you. <laughs> Yeah, can you just share your trauma now, James? Thanks so much. Yeah. I, I don't know if I had a picture of you at 16. You're like, where did you even get this? Where did you even get this from? That was what my mother was like. Someone yeah. hacked the computer. <laughs> um, no, so I think that, like, it, it's so difficult to know because the, the, there are so many different aspects that go into the journey that I feel like I've been on. And mm. it, I, I think that, I, I suppose what I would like to say to my younger self is, it's not about how you present physically. It's about how you feel inside and make yourself happy with who you are. And that will reflect out to the world in terms of the people who will be attracted to you. And it will also make things much easier. And don't feel as if you need to try and push yourself to fit into a sort of a, 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 a particular frame that someone else has created. So just, yeah. just I suppose, be yourself, be comfortable, find a way to be comfortable in who you are and try and not spend so much time trying to garner the affections of people who are dickheads. <laughs> Love, it. Love it. Very well said. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Fad Camp. As always, we want to thank our producer, Darren Lee. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Great ratings and reviews really help more people find the show and it would mean a lot to us. Make sure to share the episodes with friends and family or on your social media. Every listen helps. And we absolutely love hearing from our listeners. So please get in touch with any of your diet stories on fadcamppodcast at gmail.com. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.